All right, everybody, welcome back. You saw the, if you saw the video uh, earlier, uh, obviously we had VBS uh, this last week, and uh, I got to help and be a part of VBS. Miriam and I were working with the two and three-year-old uh, group, uh, and really it was just such a pleasure uh, to hang out uh, with all of the kids um, getting to ask them questions uh, and getting to uh, kind of prod them for spiritual answers and, and hearing their just super cute uh, responses uh, was just really neat to be able to do that for a few days. Uh, then, of course, earlier today, we also dedicated uh, Mason, my new nephew. Uh, and Mason, I've only held a few times because personally, I, I don't like holding little ones too much because I know there's, they're really fragile and I, I just am afraid of being you know, not careful enough. And so I'm kind of nervous holding very, very little ones. Uh, but then when they get to like the one-year-old range or like the Joss level range, I really like playing with those guys uh, because you know, they're still young and they're super cute. Uh, but you can play with them and you can be you know, a little bit more rough with them than you can be uh, with an infant. And then of course, being with the twos and three-year-olds, uh, which is really cute. Again, their responses and their little voices and, and them you know, talking about how naughty they are sometimes. And it was just so funny to think about that. Um, and, and it was just really neat, but still hard to get them to grasp uh, some of the spiritual concepts that we are trying to get them to learn about. Uh, and then to be able to see the older kids, the elementary age kids, uh, working with Lydia and with Diane and them trying to infuse spiritual truths in them you know, it's just such a blessing to, to see the kids and, and see the varying ages of all these little ones. And there's just something really awesome about seeing the kids start to be able to make, you know, more and more sense out of God and of Jesus. And in a lot of ways, a lot of ways, this theme, this theme of growing and learning more, it's a very apparent theme as we continue on in our Acts sermon series entitled On the Move. We started just last week. Uh, we talked about uh, the first chapter of Acts, uh, and we had talked about the adventures of the early church throughout the story of Acts. And in it, are, there are a lot of parallels between their adventures thousands of years ago and our own adventures as a young church uh, they are very apparent parallels. And so I think that looking at their adventures, looking at the things that they had done in the past is going to uh, really inspire us, encourage us, and really be a valuable process as you compare the things that they had worked through to the things that we, a young church, are also working through. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, Jesus and, telling, and him telling his disciples how they need to be ready to receive the Holy Spirit and to prepare to be his witnesses. Chapter 2, which we're going to be going through today, picks up just a couple of days after that. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, we're really just going to break down the scripture here break down uh, some of the passages in Acts chapter 2, uh, and, and we're going to work through them together. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, this being the 120 followers uh, of Jesus. They were together. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 
All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Here it comes. Here's the Spirit coming. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So again, the people that were collected in that small upper room where the original one, the 120 followers of Jesus, they're still in Jerusalem. And they experienced this really weird phenomenon of this violent wind coming down and fire just kind of spreading out and landing on each one of them. It's just really hard to kind of picture, uh, maybe because they lacked the words, or really it was just so wildly different than anything that they had experienced that it was hard to describe. Now, fire makes sense because often enough in Scripture, fire is representative of holy presence, right? When you think of the burning bush, we've seen God be represented in fire when the Israelites followed him through the wilderness after Egypt, they saw either a pillar of smoke by day or a bright fire by night. And so this fire is a holy presence. So it makes sense that it would manifest in a way that looks like tongues of flame coming down and filling the room up and landing on them each. And they became filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the Spirit enabled them to do something that they weren't able to do before. They started to be able to speak in tongues they, be able, they were able to speak in languages that they didn't know before as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I don't know about you, but this is an extremely exciting moment in Scripture. We're experiencing the turn. Like, th- th- this is the adventures that Jesus has been waiting to allow his disciples, his followers, to, to be a part of. This is a moment that Jesus has anxiously and excitedly been waiting for. Again, several times throughout the Gospels, Jesus would say that it was better for him to go so that the helper, so that the advocate, that the Holy Spirit would come because this Holy Spirit was going to come and equip them. This Holy Spirit was coming to empower them. Jesus is so excited and anxious for this moment because he knew that his people, the church, if there was going to be any kind of success in the adventures of growing the the brand new church, they were only going to be able to do so through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and by his equipping. After being filled with the Holy Spirit, they stood up and they started preaching to the crowds that were gathering to investigate the sound and their own languages being spoken. So they were at the day of Pentecost. This is 50 days after Passover. 50, Penta, 50. 50 days after Passover. And so people from all over are gathering to Jerusalem to celebrate this special uh, harvest, this festival of weeks, festival of harvest, or this Pentecost. So they're coming from all over, and all of a sudden they hear this super loud noise, this violent wind, and they start gathering around wondering, what the heck was that? And they start coming around, and they see this small group of either the apostles preaching or potentially all 120 starting to speak in their own languages. Acts chapter 2, verse 5 through 6, it says there, now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. This was perfect timing for Christianity to spread. 
It was perfect timing. 50 days later, the Holy Spirit comes down, fills them up, and gives them to power, power to be able to speak, communicate to all of the various nations that there were around them. It was perfect timing because these people would soon take what they were hearing and do what? They were going to go back home. They were going to spread this gospel that they are hearing. Peter and the other believers were empowered with the Holy Spirit, and it gave them the power to speak in each of the listeners' own native tongues. You can imagine, then, that the words that were spoken were probably pretty important, right? You ever at the airport, and you're walking through, and you hear them like calling somebody's name, and they're doing it in all these various languages, right? Because it's a pretty important message, because the plane's waiting, You've got to go. And so they have to change the languages to make sure that the passenger understands the urgency of the message. You can imagine if they are going to get up and start preaching to everybody that these are going to be important words and they're going to have to translate them so that everybody can understand the gospel message that Peter is going to deliver. Peter seizes the moment and he stands up in front of thousands that are gathered. Thousands. And he testifies, and he speaks to Jesus. I'm going to highlight a few of these verses, not the whole thing, but I'm going to highlight a lot of them. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. He'll go on to talk about old prophecy from the book of Joel. He'll talk about how Jesus fulfills those prophecies. He talks about the promise made to David about how he would have an heir and that he would be on the throne forever and how David's promise has now finally come to fruition because Jesus will not be abandoned to death. In verse 29 Peter continues, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David, he died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay." These are the prophecies that the Israelites were familiar with. The Israelites looked up to David, knew his words, knew his prophecies. Peter wisely makes connections for the crowd that are listening. He testifies to the truth by weaving prophetical knowledge of David and personal eyewitness account of Jesus' miracle, his teaching, and more specifically and importantly, his death and resurrection. Peter is tying the prophecies that he knows about, that the Israelites know about, and his eyewitness account. I saw it. I seen it. He raised from the dead. I saw it with my own eyes. He ties them together. Peter's words, with the help of the Holy Spirit, cut the audience to the heart. 
they asked, these thousands of people were turning to one another, well, geez, if this is the truth, if this guy really came and he was the Messiah, the resurrected one that David has been talking about and that we've been waiting, what are we supposed to do? In verse 38, in answering their question on what they are supposed to be doing, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and all whom the Lord our God will call. There were many gathered. An unknown number of thousands were listening to Peter. I say unknown because of the listeners, 3,000 were added to their number. Now, it wasn't odd when Jesus himself, when he was teaching and preaching, many would come and listen to Jesus, but many would still turn away. And so I'm not sure if we had 3,000, they had a 100% conversion rate on that day, but there were thousands listening to Peter. And on that day, the momentum had started. The movement, the movement had begun from 120 to 3,000 in that story, in that testimony, in that witness time of Peter's. And I think it's really important to pay attention here. Now, I know that when we share our faith with a lot of other people around us, we typically share our own story and how Jesus has affected us, how faith has been important to us, and how it has changed us, transformed us, and how it is a great thing in our lives to be able to have and to lean on. But what I think is really important here is that Peter doesn't tell Peter's story in this moment. When he has thousands listening to him, Peter doesn't talk about how Jesus made him feel. He doesn't talk about how Jesus uh, uh, made Peter do this or that or the lessons that he gave particularly to Peter. No, Peter told Jesus' story. He knew Jesus' story. It wasn't Peter's testimony. It wasn't the gospel of Peter. Peter was telling Jesus' story. He knew Jesus' story in and out, backwards and forwards, and that's what he told to the people in front of him. I think it's important that we each understand and are embedded into us that story of Jesus. I think most of us know our story between Reggie and Jesus or Jake and Jesus, Alyssa and Jesus, but I need to make sure that you each know Jesus' story, the prophecy the death, the resurrection, we need to know that too because that truth is transformative. That is the truth. That's the gospel good news that people need to know about. Peter didn't tell Peter's story. Peter told Jesus' story and we need to know that. It's an exciting moment in Acts chapter two, a moment that Jesus has been excited for, waiting for, thrilled over the Holy Spirit had finally come. The Holy Spirit had finally come and it has equipped and guided them to witness to thousands. This is the same Holy Spirit that has been gifted to us. This is the same Holy Spirit, even though it's been thousands of years later, this is the same Holy Spirit that is gifted to us. It's almost like, I, I don't know, this might be a weird comparison, maybe it's because I'm a nerd, 
but it's almost like a superpower that we've been blessed with to accompany, to help, to fill us up, and to show us the way. This is a really big deal that the Holy Spirit is ours. How many, how many people here watch movies? I know I watch a lot of movies with you, and I know that we're familiar with these stories. How many movies now imitate this set of circumstances? A mysterious and powerful ability falling into the hands of an unsuspecting bystander. How many stories did I just describe? Where all of a sudden there's this new power. Did I not just describe Shazam? Did I not just describe Green Lantern? Did I not just describe... Spider-Man, did I not just describe, I mean, all of these stories, right, are about this person who is unsuspecting, and all of a sudden, this power comes over them, and they choose to do something with it, learning how to use those gifts and turn them towards a mission of good. How many stories do we know that are like that? How many of us have wanted to be in those shoes? How many of us growing up, or maybe even now, wish we would get bitten by a radioactive spider? How many of us wish now that some uh, magic wizard would show up and tell us at when we turn 13, you're a wizard, Jeff. <laughs> How many people wanted that to be the truth? How many of us wanted a green ring to choose you, this special you? How many of us wanted that? How many people in our generation are longing for that? Well, I'll tell you, it already happened. That has already happened. Stop wondering. You, we, all of us have been granted a wonderful gift and we have been given meaningful purpose. We, in that promise that Peter had said, we are the children who are far off. We are the one who this promise echoes through time. We are those people. We have been promised. We are the recipients of that promise made by Peter. As baptized believers, the Holy Spirit is in you. It has filled us with patience, endurance, understanding, and it has guided us to and into so much ministry. The Spirit has provided us with people in our lives that we can take the mission and testimony to. Over the years, all of us, how many new faces have we seen? How many desperate stories have we heard? How many people have we been able to help out and show up for? How many people have we been given opportunity to show love to? It's been a lot. This little small group of ours has had a lot of ministry impact, believe it or not. It's really very surprising. We'd be hard-pressed to name all the little stories connected to our own. Was that by our own doing, you think? It wasn't. It was this superpower Holy Spirit that led us, guided us, brought us into the presence of people who needed love, Jesus-level love. The movement that began so long ago, it still moves now. We are on the move. We we have a mission. And so I think there's a few things to consider from, this is only half of Acts chapter two. There's a few things to consider from this first half of Acts chapter two. The Holy Spirit is equipping. The Holy Spirit gives us what is needed. The Holy Spirit gives us what is needed in the moment. In this chapter, they needed something to gather the people 
when those 120 people were gathered in that small room and there were thousands of people from all over, the Holy Spirit came down and equipped them and gave them what they needed in the moment. They needed something to gather the people and they needed a divine PA system. That's what they needed. They needed a divine PA system and a translator. Thinking of how we use the Spirit now, I almost picture, uh, I don't, this is kind of another dorky thing, but the Holy Spirit now for us, this guide uh, and this empowering and equipping thing, I almost think of, you know, Peter Parker uh, in one of the movies when he's using his suit that um, Tony Stark had made for him, and he's learning about all these features, and the suit is telling him how to use them or when to use them, and Peter is just this novice in just absolutely lost on all the various different things that this new suit is able to do for him. He's overwhelmed and unable to do it well. I think that's almost how we are with the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit guides it equips, it empowers. It's almost as if you and I are simply vessels for the Holy Spirit. All we are just like these little dummies that get filled up with the Holy Spirit and get put at the right place at the right time so that the Holy Spirit can speak right through us. That's, it's, it's almost like we're not doing anything at all. But that's the power of this Holy Spirit that we get to depend on. Because if you ask Reggie, and I am a guy who likes to talk, I'm a guy who has addressed maybe a couple hundred at a time. But if you ask me to step in front of thousands and thousands of people from all over to talk about a Jesus that they don't know about yet, Reggie's gonna back down from that. I'm going to be pretty scared. I'm going to be afraid of doing that, even speaking to people who don't speak the same languages from different cultures. And yet Peter is so empowered to step up. And Peter has not been this guy in the past, has he? He steps up, addresses thousands, and is somehow amplified in a way. Peter is no more special than you or me. And that same Holy Spirit is one that you and I get to call on. The Holy Spirit gives us what is needed in the moment. And I'm hoping that that would relieve us of any fear, any fear of sharing our faith, any fear of displaying love, any fear of sharing our own resources with people around us, because that Holy Spirit is going to take care of you. That Holy Spirit is going to surround you and make sure that the things that you need in the moment are taken care of. That's the Holy Spirit that you and I get to lean on. When out in the world, in our spheres of influence, the family, the friends, the coworkers, the neighbors, that Holy Spirit is active in us, blessing us with an ability to be sensitive, an ability to be patient, an ability to endure. Now, I don't know how many times, I can't tell you how many times I've had to deploy this or the Holy Spirit has deployed this in me. When someone needs help, when someone needs a sympathetic ear or an encouraging word, and I won't feel up to it. Reggie's not full of this bountiful energy. Reggie himself is not always the most patient. You know this. I'm not always the most enduring person. But when it hits the fan, when, things, when the chips are down, when someone is down and out and needs absolutely help, I have been imbued with the power of the Holy Spirit to go and be patient, to be gracious, to be enduring. That's a Holy Spirit that you and I get to lean on. These are all powers that Reggie should not have. 
So let's all recognize the Holy Spirit's work and try to purposefully deploy it in our lives to continue to borrow from that superhero analogy. We've seen heroes who've used their powers reactively, who just use it on the day-to-day. Imagine if you saw Tony Stark, Iron Man, in his super special suit that nobody else has access to. Imagine that all he did was like go grocery shopping in it. <laughs> Imagine that all he did was in his, go fly around and do errands. And maybe if there was an earthquake in California, he was protected because the suit was impenetrable. Imagine that's all he did with it. When you and I just sit on the power of the Holy Spirit, not using it to its full potential, that's what's happening. It's a waste. And we have been granted purposeful mission, a mission that we need to stick to and be a part of in spreading that gospel. There's so much more possible when we, like Peter, we seize the moment. When we stand up and testify when the people are gathered, when you're fearful of bringing faith up, when you're chatting with that coworker that you're not sure if they're a believer, or if you're speaking with that neighbor that you're not sure if you want to reveal your faith, or you're not sure if you want to ask your family member if you can pray for them because you don't know how they feel about God. There's so much more possible when you can seize the moment and allow the Holy Spirit to guide and empower you to do so. This chapter is one that God, that Jesus was really, really very excited for. This moment of testimony and the beginning of the movement that was finally apostle-led, people-led, is one that God has been carefully crafting for thousands of years, where people would stand up on God's behalf testifying to who he was rather than the typical pattern where God had to pull and push his people to obedience. Again, seeing your little ones during VBS, this is kind of like this triumphant moment when you see your child stand up for the first time or when you see your child take their first steps for the first time or you get to see the words of your, your son or daughter spoken for the first time. I'm just imagining God and Jesus up in heaven on the sidelines looking down at Peter and his, and his disciples finally proud that they're standing up and testifying to Jesus for the first time because it had been thousands of years of the other. It had been thousands of years of disobedience and people who didn't follow what Jesus wanted. And now finally, they're endued with the Holy Spirit they're endued with the Holy Spirit and are finally standing up and testifying to Jesus. Finally, yay! The church is on the move. The Holy Spirit is leading the charge, filling them up. And I'm thankful that we, the children who are far off, get to play part in that promise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know, First, I, I, I want to apologize for the moments that we here who, who have known these words, who have known the Holy Spirit's powers that are at our fingertips, 
uh, where we're able to deploy, use, and pray with. I'm sorry, Lord, for the times that we've just sat on that, <laughs> for the times that we have not exercised to the full uh, the gift that you have blessed us with, the Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, I pray that that same spirit would continue to grant us wisdom to understand the full extent and full power of that Holy Spirit so that we can take part in a mission, a movement that began so long ago. We know, Father, that the church has been around for thousands of years and that most people have heard the name Jesus. But, Father, we know so many around us whose hearts have not been touched by that name Jesus. And so, God, we as a movement, as a small church that is trying to display your love and kindness and grace, um, I pray, God, that that Holy Spirit would fill us with courage and wisdom and guidance, would be a light for us to follow so that we'd be led to the people around us who are in the darkness, who are lost and are seeking you, seeking love and seeking belonging, seeking connection. Uh, Father, please continue to use us as a small body who reaches one at a time, whose stories we don't forget uh, so that we can display the deep love that your son Jesus first showed us. Thank you, Father. I pray these things in your holy son's name. Amen.